The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're lucky to have returning to us to talk more about codependency, narcissism, and so much more. The writer, author, blogger, podcaster, public speaker, Darlene Lancer. Darlene, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be able to speak to your audience. Tell us about codependency. Okay. So codependency, in my definition, there is no one definition, by the way, um, but mine is similar to many of the recognized theorists, um, and that it's a illness of a lot of a lost self, a disorder of the self. So, um, and it starts in childhood, maybe in infancy, and it's when your thinking and your behavior revolve around something external to yourself. So it could be, typically it's another person, but I include in my definition, it could be a substance. So that would include addicts or codependent, or it could be a process, which would be someone addicted to like uh, sex addiction or gambling. So it's some sort of process. So you're other oriented. And in my book, Conquering Shame and Codependency, I point out that um, some people, which I call masters, they're not all narcissists, but narcissists would fall into that category. They feel safe and loved by having power. And that goes back to their personality, their childhood, maybe genetically, so that they want to be sure that they have power in the relationship, and that would keep them safe. And it might involve um, pushing people away to keep safe. And that's how that's the point of aggression. On the other hand, a codependent, which I call an accommodator, thinks they will be safe and they will get love from their parents if they accommodate. So if they please, if they go along, if they don't make waves, um, you know, they don't want to make waves in the relationship. and that they think that's going to make things better with a narcissist, but a narcissist doesn't care about that. They want power. So they care more about their power. And um, the codependent cares more about the relationship. So that in itself sets up a dynamic which is designed to fail because it means that the codependent is, or the partner, is going to keep trying to placate and go along with the narcissist because they don't want to have their don't want a confrontation. And so they won't speak up or they will, as I said, in ways that are counterproductive. And meanwhile, their self-esteem is continuing, continuing to get lowered. Their needs aren't getting met. They don't feel important. But in a sense, they agree with the narcissist that the narcissist is the most important person. They may think that they don't believe that, but their behavior belies that because 
a definition of codependency is that your behavior and your thinking revolves around someone else. So what they do, they will think, well, how will my husband or my child or my wife react to this? So they'll filter things. They want to avoid conflict and they don't want to make waves. And so they're, they may start even adopting the perceptions of the narcissist because then they have less conflict. So they have denial. They start stop asking for their needs. Maybe they're not getting met, so why ask? Or more likely, they weren't met in childhood, so they don't put a lot of value on their own needs. They're, they get value from pleasing people. They have an underlying belief that if I'm loved, then I'm lovable, which if you break it down is, is not true. You're lovable just for being a human being not just because someone loves you or doesn't, or then if they don't love you, then you think you're not lovable. So uh, they become more and more anxious in the relationship uh, and they get drained just trying to avoid a, a crisis or avoid abuse, just to hold the relationship together and they become more and more stressed, more and more uh, depressed and their self-esteem gets lower and lower. And it could be hard to recover from a relationship, if it's long, you know, of abuse like that. And they keep doing this, trying to please the, the thing is they keep trying to please the narcissist, hoping that finally they will get, you know, crumbs or maybe see a smile on the narcissist's face. But um, it doesn't work because a narcissist, there's a term called narcissistic supply. They have this emptiness inside. It's kind of like, um, a, I compare it to a vampire. So they constantly need to be fed with attention and you know signs of admiration, expressions of love. If it's a woman, she might want reassurance that she's loved or that she's beautiful or that you give her gifts and it's like never ending. So the partner never feels appreciated, but they keep trying. And this probably goes back to their childhood where they were kept trying to get the approval and love of a parent, or I would say acceptance, because a lot of times parents say, I love you, but they don't accept you for who you are, only for you know, your grades or your success or your performance, your athletic ability and things like that, your looks, but that's not real acceptance. So that's how that dynamic gets played out. And they, the, the codependent can end up enabling the narcissist, but they can turn that around. Once they start setting boundaries and speaking up and confronting the narcissist in an effective way, the narcissist will get, the tables will be turned and they're going to start, you know, falling apart because all of this, you know, how great I am and everything and this bullying, that's all like bluster. It's all bluffing, basically. Like a bully. Exactly. But it takes a lot of courage and it takes, support of a therapist or a group or coach to help you because it's very scary making these changes. And of course, you know, the, the codependent may feel the relationship will fall apart and it might, or at some point you might get enough leverage that you can insist that the narcissist get treatment. Oftentimes they'll go just so to win back your, uh, you know, good feelings for a few months and then they go back. They're not really interested in change. 
sometimes if you break up with them, they say, okay, I'll go to therapy. And then they'll shower you with gifts and be really nice, uh, love bomb you, you know, for a few months. But there isn't real, the, the change just is slow and deep and long. It's a long process. What is the approximate gender breakdown in codependency? I don't know. There's no statistics on that. All right. I would say in my practice, it's probably 40% men. But and, um, women are more likely to seek treatment, though. So you can't really tell. And then if you look at, um, I don't know what the statistics are, as, for instance, substance abuse. It might be higher among men. I, I really don't know. But I would say they're codependent, too. I actually think that narcissists are codependent. So they share a lot of the same core um, traits. But I can tell you some of the symptoms of codependency. Let's hear some of them, yes. Okay. So, and then there's stages too. So one of the core um, feelings include like denial. So most codependents start off when they don't realize that they're codependent and they may not realize they're being abused. So uh, low self-esteem and shame is underneath, but the shame may be unconscious. Their low self-esteem may they think may think well of themselves and not realize that they they actually do have low self-esteem, which I can talk more about in a minute. But they often suffer from if not shame, irrational guilt, uh, resentment, uh, and anger, a lot of fear, feelings of chronic depression. Not you might not even notice it. Um, because it's not like a major depression, although some have major depression. It may be a low-grade dysthymia that's like gone on for years, even though they're functioning, seem to be functioning okay. But they don't have joy in life. They don't um, try uh, to do new things. So there's kind of a reticence there. And some of the core behaviors include what I just said, codependency. I mean, dependency. So their the actions uh, and their behavior, or it, which includes speech, may depend on someone else, how someone else is going to react. Uh, what does someone else want to do? Like two codependents can't decide like what restaurant to go to or what movie to see. It's like, what would you want to do? Or no, what do you want to do? Um, functional communication. So that's why I wrote a book on how to be assertive because they don't use I statements. They don't want to take responsibility for their feelings, which a lot of times they're in denial of. I mentioned they're not aware of their needs. They don't speak up for their needs um, and dysfunctional boundaries. So they let people violate their boundaries, unaware. They might violate other people's boundaries, um, tell other people what to do all the time, give it unwanted advice and uh, let people abuse them. So that's violating their boundaries. Uh, and they try to control. That's a core issue uh, and symptom. So either they're very controlling of other people or they exert a lot of control over themselves um, and intimacy problems. So a lot of codependents are in relationships where they feel their partner's unavailable. They don't realize they have intimacy fears too. So sometimes there's a pursuer distancer relationship. 
Um, and I'm constantly wanting intimacy with someone who is afraid of intimacy. So those are some of the symptoms that right. come up. People pleasing might be another one, obsessions, perfectionism, as I met, uh, mentioned earlier, um, just obsessing about people, can't stop thinking about, they have a lot of anxiety. A lot of their anxiety is shame anxiety because they're so concerned about what other people think and what other how people will react that they get anxious and it's hard for them to set boundaries or say no, trouble saying no to people. I suspect that social media has put that on steroids, the shaming and concern with what other people think. I oh, imagine. I suppose so. Uh -huh. Where does one get help for codependency? Well, there's an organization called Codependence uh, Anonymous is at coda, coda.org. And uh, you could start by reading about it. The first thing you should do is get information because um, there's so much denial around codependency. You might see it in a friend or your partner and not see it in yourself. So my book, Codependency for Dummies, is actually uh, really comprehensive. It's like A to Z about co uh, codependency and start therapy with someone to learn more about your behaviors and why you're doing what you do and learn new skills. A lot of recovery is a, a learning process of learning new skills. What's one piece of advice you would uh, have uh, for someone out there who wants to better understand their significant other? Well, I think the best way to understand your significant other, the advice I would give is to ask them actually for, um, what the, what's important to them, what they value, uh, how they feel about the way you're interacting with them to give you feedback and to find out more about their history. If they have uh, a mental disorder or a diagnosis, I would read up on it to learn more about that. So you have information that's, you know, what what's in, involved, things that they might not be able to, to talk to you about. Yeah. How can our audience learn more about you and your work? Oh, okay. Well, my website is whatiscodependency.com. You can also find me at darlenelancer.com. And I'm all over the internet. And I write for Psychology Today and Medium. And uh, you could subscribe to my monthly blog on my website. And what else? I'm on Twitter. And Instagram, I have YouTube's up on my YouTube channel, and I have a lot of podcasts on Flipit, C-L-Y-P dot I-T. And there's some on SoundCloud, and there's links to them on my website. And of course, I'm on Facebook and Pinterest. And <laughs> those are the ones where you can find me all over. If you just Google my name, you'll find a lot of stuff. Why don't you uh, tell us about some of the books that you've written? So the first book I wrote was Codependency for Dummies. And here we go, many years ago. And uh, then and it's like A to Z, everything you need to know about um, whether you're codependent, the symptoms and how to change and how to recover. There's a lot of exercises in there. And then I wrote, Conquering Shame in Codependency, 
because shame is the underlying symptom of codependency and addiction. And one third of it, it's like eight steps. I don't know if you can read that. Eight steps to freeing the true you. And that's what happens in codependency is like your true self gets covered with shame and you have to recover it. So that's why they say recover, you're recovering yourself. And one third of that book is self-help exercises. And then I wrote uh, Dealing with a Narcissist, which we talked about, um, how to raise your self-esteem and set boundaries with difficult people. So it's not just narcissists. It's anyone who's highly uh, defensive and uh, like passive aggressive or um, an addict or something like that. Uh, then I wrote a book on um, 10 Steps to Self-Esteem, The Ultimate Guide to Stop Self-Criticism, because that's a symptom of shame. There's a lot of self, people are aware of the negative self-talk. It's also a big cause of depression and anxiety. And I have a webinar to go with it. And then how to speak your mind and become assertive and set limits. And that's about learning assertive communication. I have a webinar to go with that. And then um, freedom from guilt and blame, finding self-forgiveness, which is a workbook on overcoming guilt. And uh, I'm not perfect. I'm just human, uh, how to overcome perfectionism. That's also a workbook. And ten, uh, spiritual transformation and 12 steps, which is uh, a workbook on doing the 12 steps from a spiritual, psychological point of view. And it doesn't matter what program you're in or whether you're religious or not, because it's psycho-spiritual. And uh, then I have a couple webinars, one's an audio, one on uh, breakup recovery for people breaking up or have broken up, and uh, a self-love meditation, which I recommend people listen to daily until they start incorporating that loving voice into their own self-talk, and a new one that's called soul alignment to help people get connected and aligned with their true self and live from a soul-centered life. I think that's all of them. And I'm coming, I'm going to um, publish one towards the end of the year called um, Dating, Loving, and Leaving a Narcissist. So that should be out latest year. Well, thank you very much, Darlene. That's uh, a, quite a body of work you have. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love to write, so I, I'm glad to be able to share it. Well, Darlene, it's been a pleasure to have you here yet again on Exploring Different Dreams. You're a wealth of information on narcissism, codependency, and so much more. Thank you for being with us. Oh, you're very welcome. And I really appreciate uh, how many people you help with your different brains and circulating my blogs. And I'm really happy to talk to your audience. Thank you. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.